0: Welcome to Talatera, a podcast about freelance educators working in natural resource fields and environmental education. Who are these educators? What do they do? Join me, and let's find out together. This is your host, Tanya Marion. my guest is Darryl Griffin. Daryl is a LinkedIn strategist who helps business owners and freelance professionals attract new clients. I had the opportunity to learn from Daryl last year and reached out to him to see if he had time to discuss how freelance environmental educators can use LinkedIn during this time. We had a wonderful conversation, so get your pen and paper ready. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for stopping by today to talk about LinkedIn and how freelance environmental educators can use use LinkedIn, use the platform to connect with new partners and with each other as well. You are a LinkedIn strategist. If you can explain uh, what that means, please.
1: Okay, Tanya, thank you, first of all, for inviting me onto your podcast. It's a privilege. I am a LinkedIn strategist. Okay. Well, let me, first of all, explain that LinkedIn is just a tool, okay? So being a strategist with a tool is a little bit like being a piano teacher, I guess. Um, One might buy a piano, but that doesn't make one a pianist. So I uh, would argue that being a LinkedIn strategist helps people use the LinkedIn tool to better strategize for their desired business outcomes. Sounds a bit grand, but that's about what it is.
0: I shared with you some information about the current state of the field of environmental education, just for, for listener's sake, uh, let me explain where, where we're at in our conversation. Um, In April, the Lawrence hall of science surveyed organizations in the field to assess how COVID-19 was impacting environmental education and um, outdoor science uh, programs. A total of 995 organizations responded to the survey And it was determined through the survey that if social distancing continues through December of this year, that only about 22% of the organizations surveyed feel that they are certain to reopen. What was also determined through the survey, in addition to the huge loss of revenue and jobs, was that It's estimated that 11 million learners will have missed out on environmental education learning opportunities if organizations are not able to reopen before the end of the year. The survey addressed the current state of organizations. It did not address the state of independent professionals working in the field. I've been speaking with independent professionals over the past month or or two, actually a couple months, These professionals are people who are in the early stages of their career and who have many years of experience working as a freelancer in the field. And regardless of where they are in the journey, they are equally concerned about funding and cash flow, being asked to work for free, finding new projects, uh, new partners, and new clients as well. I have many, many questions about LinkedIn, but I think I've got it down to one one question to start off our conversation, which is how should freelance environmental educators be thinking about LinkedIn at this time?
1: Okay. Well, okay. That sounds like a little question, but it's actually a very big one. Um, It's it's a little bit like anyone who is self-employed or, Um, As a freelancer, essentially you're a self-employed person. To a point, you have to do your own marketing and business development. It's the, the challenge for us all who have decided to take a slightly different route to the conventional one, which might be employment. But essentially, we need to think of a tool like LinkedIn as a shop window, a shop window into our expertise, so we can unpack some of that. But essentially, what I encourage all of my clients to do is understand that a lot of my clients are essentially freelancers. They might have the label of being business owner or, um, um, uh, uh, you know, self-employed or whatever it may be. But essentially, they are responsible for creating their own income their own clients um, their own opportunities and so um, I'm working with these kind of people all the time so the starting point is always what is the desired outcome okay what do I want as a result of putting effort and energy into something so we start with the desired outcome and that may be For example, more clients, that's typically the situation for the people that I work with. Uh, I need more clients. My business is, I've had referrals in the past. I've had website inquiries in the past. I have a close-knit network of people that have provided me with opportunities in the past, but that's all drying up because of the situation, partly because of the situation we're in, and partly because we can be a little bit short-sighted and let's say we, we stay within our comfort zone. (laughs) Okay. Um, that's not a criticism. Sometimes it's the logical thing to do. We've got enough business from the situation that we find ourselves in, but when things change, we need to then start to think a little bit more like a business development manager for ourselves. And, um, consider our uh, desired outcome and then reverse engineer from there so instead of starting from where i am now we start from where i want to be and then we create a strategy with that end goal in mind um, i hope i'm making sense to everyone
0: yes you are it's very clear good good Okay, so my next question is, then how should EE professionals present themselves on LinkedIn? What isn't isn't worth putting out there and what is?
1: Okay, well, let's then return to this reverse engineered kind of approach. There There are several stages to this. And what we have to consider, this has actually been true for some time. It's probably exaggerated or enhanced because of the uh, virus situation but for a long time now statistically people have been using digital tools as part of their due diligence process so uh, for example I have clients working with me now I have one particular client working with me that has been following me online for for almost two years and um it goes to show that this is not some this isn't a new phenomena phenomenon. This has been around for some time. So if I go back to the beginning of, of, of what I would call my quote unquote aggressive digital journey, well, <laughs> sounds a bit poncy, but um essentially if I I go back to 2012, 2013, I understood back then that people were beginning to use tools like LinkedIn to research me before being prepared to contact me in in what we would call the traditional ways, i.e., picking up the telephone or dropping me even dropping me an email. They were they were they were researching me to discover whether I was a suitable candidate for their project. Um, Now, I was employed then, but I understood that if I could position myself, and there's that word position, uh, if I could position myself for the people whom would be interested in my services, then that would be a far better approach to a tool like LinkedIn than just putting up my resume, for example. If I if I was looking for a new job, which I wasn't, then I would go the route, the resume route. But actually, what I wanted people to do, and still want people to do, is to choose me. That's essentially what I am seeking to do, and what uh, so so what I am seeking to do, for example, first of all, from the way that I present myself on LinkedIn, and let's start with the profile. I am seeking to present myself as a subject matter expert for the people that might hire me so i'm quite niche even though i work in the marketing space i only work with values led business people so i've actually cut off i know that some people might argue well, well everybody's values led but you you'd be surprised a lot of people are actually purely uh, dollars and cents led so I have deliberately distanced myself to probably 90 percent of the market purely by choosing a niche I can unpack some of that but when I get back to the whole positioning thing it is like a shop window so what I'm doing or what we all need to do is understand like that our profile, and it's not just our profile, but we'll start with the profile. Profile is the starting point. We have to understand who it is. I use a, I, I'll use my doctor analogy because that's probably the best way to do it in terms of positioning yourself on LinkedIn. So you, so you take your profile, you imagine yourself to be a specialist doctor or surgeon or whatever term you wish to use. You need to ask yourself who is the patient? Who, who, who do I serve? Who is the person at the other end of this transaction, if you like? What pain are they in that I can solve? What is my prescription for the pain? How am I going to treat the pain? And what is the prognosis for working with me? And that kind of applies to any business, really. What we're trying to avoid doing is the situation where I go into the doctor's office and sit down and he or she immediately prescribes something without knowing what's wrong with me. There's no bedside manner. It's purely prescriptive. What that looks like in practical terms is probably easy to look at a profile like mine and see the way that I do it. But um, essentially the mistake most people are making even even in roles like sales um where you'd have thought that they would be wanting to be very customer focused they're still very self-focused so i've done this i've done that you know i have this quite i've hit quota so if you're a customer reading that you're scared off you know so if you're a freelancer you need to be positioning yourself for the people that you serve and explaining to them in the best way you can why you are going to be of value to those people this is essentially what positioning is all about it you're positioning yourself for the people you serve and not for yourself and it's and so it's a little bit of a shift of of a it's a bit of a mindset shift because we're very used to thinking, okay I need to do a profile I need to explain everything that I do well actually no the ideal situation is we take ourselves out of our own shoes we put them in the shoes of a potential client and say well what are they looking for and what are the challenges they're facing that I can solve that's that's typically the approach Um, how that applies directly to your industry or sector then we can unpack some of that more if you like
0: yes that would be wonderful yeah so it's knowing who you're for and speaking only to them through your profile
1: Yes. yes and actually having the courage even in these difficult times to be as niche and specific as you can sorry it's niche in the u.s isn't it sorry uh,
0: no, that's right
1: <laughs> niche away folks um yeah try 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 to try to niche having the courage to position yourself just for you know it having the courage to be as narrow as possible not as broad As possible, even though every instinct inside of us goes, no, I just need to try and capture everything as wide as possible. You don't, you don't. There'll be there'll be a large enough market for the niche um, if you can articulate it properly. that's part of the challenge.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. You know the the report from the Lawrence Hall of Science was about organizations and not about the the independent independent professionals in the field and so but my thinking is my feeling is that the independent professionals in the field can fill some of the voids in their communities because they can re they're more agile they can react mm-hmm. faster or better to the immediate needs of their communities for example maybe some for, through homeschooling or especially through this pandemic pod concept where the neighbors, you know, are mm. hiring teachers or, or guest instructors or something. Yeah. I'm thinking about them as an, as an example of what a, of what a uh, profile might look like when you are dealing with prospective community partners who are used Well, some are very used to looking at LinkedIn profiles and some maybe don't look at LinkedIn profiles uh, because they are parents hiring teachers for their children.
1: So then we have to understand. Okay, so let's think first of all about the advantage you have as a as a freelancer or as an independent person. You're a speedboat compared to a cargo ship you know, the, the the speed which you can turn your 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 ability to, to react and so on is so much quicker. You've got to play to your advantages and your strengths. You actually, you know the the advantage of the internet is it's it kind of levels the ground, you know. It it it, it, it levels the playing field. I can now compete with larger businesses purely on the level of service, the, the, the value I can provide, the, the way that I can respond far, far more quickly. Um, so that is one aspect to consider, to, to, to look at it positively. Just a slight segue. I, I have found in this work that I've been doing for six and a half years or so now, is that a lot of people are reactive, and this touches on something I've already said, um, and few people are proactive. So what happens is that we we can become very afraid, and because we have found security in the in the way things were, we essentially what we've done this is this is this is the typical scenario of people that I've worked in in the, with in the past so some people are freelancers or self-employed because they are entrepreneurial and some people are freelancers and entrepreneur uh, uh, and business owners because that's just the way it's turned out <laughs> okay um the problem with the just-the-way-it's-turned-out kind of scenario is that we tend to approach being a freelancer or self-employed a little bit like being employed, right? So we've kind of just sort of like, okay, that that little pot of money is there, so I'm going to access that as a freelancer rather than as an employed person because that opportunity has arisen. Uh, I understand that, but the, but the challenge is what happens if that pot of money is taken away? I, re- I revert to the way that I've always done business, who's kind of reactive. I've, I've kind of like, I've been born, I've gone to school, I've gone to university, I've got the piece of paper, um, and I've got into the career, and I kind of, you know, as long as there isn't a crisis, I'm okay. But when there is a crisis it's outside of my frame of reference so it becomes challenging what i'm encouraging people to do is okay how can i now acknowledge this but how can i now proactively take charge and start to make things happening for myself rather than waiting for things to happen to me and now i've gone so far off track that i've forgotten where i come from so
0: no, you haven't gone off, off track. Because what I'm hearing you say is that you, you need to, um, you know, know who you're for, present yes. yourself accordingly, and yes. then learn to pick yourself instead of waiting to be picked. To borrow Seth Godin's expression, that is
1: yeah. exactly right. And how that, you no, know, this is why you can you can use linkedin <clears throat> as a reactive person or a proactive person and and this is why i stressed right at the very beginning that it's just a tool it actually does very little for you if you don't understand why you know your why actually why are you are you using it why you know th- this is this is why it's important to Try and unpack that. And you're right, a lot of mums and dads may not be using LinkedIn. A lot of them will because they are professional people. So LinkedIn will have its limits. It's about understanding. I've got to be crystal clear on who the patient is, if I use the doctrine. who Who is the patient? If it is mums and dads, then it may be that they are not overly active on LinkedIn. They don't present themselves as mums and dads on LinkedIn in the same way as they might do on Facebook, for example. Um, So LinkedIn has its place, I think, to a point Facebook. I'm not a huge huge fan of of Facebook, nor a huge user of it. So I'm not one that can particularly comment on that. Um, However... Uh, inevitably would be mums and dads groups on on linkedin uh on facebook and um um so i think from a, from a linkedin perspective i would be wanting to know i what what i try and do is i try and think of myself if i was representing the listener as their business development manager if they were ultimately paying me to get them more customers how would i use linkedin to do that well first of all I'd have to get my positioning right I'd have to know I'd have to know what we've already discussed I'd have to know who the patient is and um, the pain and the prescription and the prognosis so that I could present myself to the world as this um, subject matter expert for this specific niche right then what do I do well of course that is that is just the foundation really of of any you know if we think that we can just put up a profile and we will get leads and opportunities on autopilot I'm afraid that's that's the thing of fairy tales it doesn't work like that positioning right you know understanding who we serve why they need us and and how specifically we benefit people is is the key not only to up the way we position ourselves in our, in our profiles but also the way that we communicate so probably the most important thing about LinkedIn is the way that we communicate with people it is a communication tool ultimately it is probably the closest thing to the digital business networking tool really but of course this isn't you know, I don't, I don't, I don't sign up to LinkedIn, put up a profile, post some stuff and then voila, it doesn't work like that. And I'm afraid there is no silver bullet. And, um, and I get it, I get it most days. Most people that would inquire, you know, businesses say, okay, th- things are drying up. Um, we need more clients. What, what, um, fairy dust can you sprinkle on our business to 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 make us suddenly a client magnet well it doesn't work quite like that because we're dealing with human beings um human beings are not predictable they they this this is a this is a trust issue not a transaction issue ultimately so what I'm seeking to do, just rounding this up, what I'm seeking to do is position myself as a, as a trustworthy human being, fundamentally, okay? I'm trying to communicate the best way I can how I can help you. And then my, my so my profile, my content, which we might touch on, um, but also the way that I engage with other people on on what is essentially a networking platform is part of it. But there's also the other, probably the scariest side of it, is the fact that that LinkedIn is a huge database of potential customers, right? So what do I do with that? You know, it's a huge tool, but it is just a tool. So what we have to get into our heads is that, the tool facilitates rather than does for us that makes sense
0: yes it makes perfect sense okay so a profile is only the starting point and it should be created for who you're for and you know who you are speaking with intentionally communication then as this is a a good point the posts and the comments and all that that comes next and that is how you develop a rapport just like you would in person and how you establish trust with other people in the co-working space i was asking what they would like to know about linkedin at this Mm. at this time um one question is posts versus articles is there a difference does it matter
1: John. There's a huge amount of post options now. We can, so let's start with posts. Text only posts, graphics, video, slide decks, which are multi page PDFs now, which um, is my preference. The algorithm seems to favor one, then favors another, then favors, you know, and just keeps people guessing all the time. Um Articles have been a little bit out of favor for a while, and I don't think that that will when that when articles first appeared, I think probably about five years ago, the algorithm really favored them, so people were just writing articles and one particular guy I know who had a huge backlog of blog articles was literally posting an article every day um just from his archive of content and getting a huge amount of traction as a result. Well, that changed probably three years ago and those those people disappear again. You know, the circus is in town on one form of content for a, for a while and then the circus leaves and with it, the clowns and the uh, trapeze artists. Um, so my preference currently is posts, However, we can talk about strategy here. For example, if you have a blog and um, if you like writing and you have a blog, then then I approach it this a little bit like a, you know, if, if you're releasing a movie, you also have to release a trailer, right? <laughs> You don't just put the movie out there and hope that people are going to watch it. You have a trailer and you put it. So I would argue that the you write your long-form content on your blog and then create a trailer for it on LinkedIn. Now, if we were having this conversation two months ago, I wouldn't have said do this because it seemed that the algorithm was against... Any links that took people away from LinkedIn, but it doesn't seem to be the case currently, <laughs> as of um, as of August twenty twenty, that we can do posts with links which t- take people away from LinkedIn, and it doesn't seem to be penalising that strategy what you've got to understand is that LinkedIn wants people engaging on the platform and not being taken away from the platform. So in the past, it has, if you posted something with a link to your blog, then it tended to put the brakes on that particular post, and you'd get about a tenth of the reach that you'd got before. The best content, I think, is the slide deck multi-page PDF content. However, that's not going to help beginners unless you are, you know, if you're an experienced, you've got some design experience and you create create your own PDFs easily. The best place to start is with the text-only posts, I think. You've got up to 1,300 characters for a text-only post. You might want to use up to three hashtags, which... Um, was a subject in itself and you can tag people in your network if it is relevant to them don't don't do it otherwise um, to encourage them to perhaps add their perspective in the comments or whatever i tend to approach linkedin the news feed as a as a snack site so i want to give you a a taste of my expertise rather than the full meal, as it were. Um, And so I kind of, I, I, you know, I've tried all kinds of strategies and approaches. Fundamentally, if you're providing value to people, then that's the key to it, really. um, Understanding that the vast majority of people on LinkedIn aren't necessarily going to be ready to, to, hire you what you're essentially trying to do is conceive trust with people so that when they are ready to hire somebody like you they pick you and not somebody else you want to become the subject matter expert because you probably are already dear listener you know your subject you know it well what you're essentially doing is that you're putting your Parts of your knowledge and expertise out there, so people can see that you are this expert, and so that they you become top of mind. In there, that, that's the get. That's the game. If you if you want to turn it into a game, that's the game.
0: That's excellent, excellent advice, and a very good perspective and a healthy healthy perspective. Instead of chasing down numbers and connections and things, you don't know why you're doing it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because, because if I go back a few years, you know, I get people ask me every day, not every day, but quite often, okay, you know, I need, I need to press the the button, which is results. And I said, well, you're not gonna like what I'm gonna tell you. They say, Well, you know, you you seem to be doing okay. You're getting all this engagement on your post. And I said, Yeah, but you've not walked with me for the last five years. You know. All the groundwork, all of the foundation building, all of the it takes time and and, and so people say so how quickly can I generate leads with LinkedIn? And I say, Well, how quickly can you generate trust with people? Probably not overnight. You know and that assumes that the actual strategy you're implementing is a good one. A lot of people that are just chasing shadows really are uh, have a, got to position themselves completely off you know, they're not they're off target with their positioning, their content is really salesy and me, 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 me. Um, they don't engage with anybody else's content to build rapport and and the like and then they wonder why the outcome is why isn't this this tool is isn't working for me well actually it's because your strategy is all wrong and you know but they don't want to hear it okay they don't want to hear it because they don't even want to conceive of the idea that they might be doing it wrong it's it's somebody else's fault and that's when i i can't work with people like that It's uh, (laughs) you know, Um, so so but yes, if it's if it's done well and with proper planning, then the outcomes are are very realistically achievable. But it is a long game. This is why advertising will continue to be an option because people don't want to play the long game they think that if i put enough money on facebook ads that i'm going to get the outcomes that i want well increasingly that's not true either because we live in a netflix age for want of a better description where we have op- we have opted out of being advertised at so and this applies to content as well if our content is very advertising In style, then the phone, which this used to be a phone, it's now a device where I can choose to ignore you. Mm -hmm. The swipe of a finger. So the skill is, how can I become a trusted resource, a trusted expert, someone who provides such huge value that... People cannot help but remember me when they need my expertise, when they need, say, for me, when they need to get their marketing right or their positioning right or their content right or whatever it is, I want them to think of me and not some inferior source. So um, (laughs) it's the same for everybody. It's the same for everybody. The challenge is understanding where linkedin fits in the bigger picture and that's a big subject i encourage people to look up something like schwartz there's a guy called schwartz uh s-c-h-w-a-r-t-z-z um uh, stages Schwartz stages of awareness okay if people want to dive into a bit of the of the technical stuff that that it basically explains that though most of the time we think that people are ready to hire us or buy from us they're not the vast majority of the time they may not even be aware of us or aware that they need us or aware that we might be able to solve something that a, a challenge they might have or whatever that's the skill of positioning and content and and so on. So it's fascinating for those people who are fascinated by it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Less so, but, but back to the rub, you know, how do I, how can I, from the from the situation that I'm in now, use LinkedIn effectively to change the game for me? Well, I'm going to have to be honest and say that's that's easier said than done in a short window. But actually... With a with a and and let's let's be honest, you know, some of us let's be realistic. We need, might need things to change in the next month, for example. I don't think LinkedIn is necessarily going to be that quick for people. In some situations, it's going to you know it's going to need to to be a little bit more dramatic, I guess. In some
0: yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Cause it is a long, as you said, a long, the long game with LinkedIn, if you need faster results, change things faster. You might not be a good
1: option. for it. it doesn't necessarily mean that that doesn't, it doesn't happen. I mean, in my experience, I mean, I've had people contact me who, who've, um, I remember the very early days when I was on LinkedIn as an employed person, as a business development manager in the, in the sign manufacturing industry. And, um, I just managed to connect with people at the right time as so oh, It just so happens we're working on such and such project and we need somebody like you. Um, sometimes it's just in the timing, but in the, in my experience on the whole, it's a long game.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so another quick question that came, that came up is since we're talking about sales and a perception of having large sales a question came in about the LinkedIn sales analysis. I've heard I've heard it's good for focusing on business and organizations. It's a paid, paid product of selective database of businesses in LinkedIn. What does that refer to?
1: I think probably it's sales navigator that that person is probably referring to. I could be wrong, but my my hunch is that they're referring to sales navigator, which is basically a standalone tool so if you want to pay for linkedin premium you've got various options one of them is sales navigator um, which gives you an exhaustive search database of everybody pretty much on linkedin with the view of what well why it appeals to why it's called sales navigator is because it appeals to the sales people that don't want to you know, they're really not concerned about positioning themselves particularly well. They're not concerned about doing content. They're not cons- concerned about building rapport and relationships with people. They want to cut to the chase and start selling. Well, A, I don't think that works anymore, right? Uh, I think that, that we are very, very resistant to such strategies. So Sales Navigator, a great, I've got Sales Navigator because i need to have it because some of my clients use it but I don't use it hardly at all for any kind of personal use unless I want to specifically look for um, a particular individual in a company of a certain size with a certain number of employees and all the you know minutiae of detail the other challenge is if you're if you're for example tanya you've got 210 connections right that's going to limit your linkedin search to a certain size because linkedin search within the free version of linkedin or within business premium linkedin is resti- restricted to your first connections and your second connections so People you're directly connected to, and people who are connected to people you're directly connected to, you can't search beyond your that that kind of framework. So, Sales Navigator gets beyond that framework and allows you to search right out there.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Again, like I, what I want to say is that Sales Navigator, none of these things are going to give you a leg up, right? LinkedIn premium won't give you a leg up. If you pay for LinkedIn, it's, you don't have an advantage over somebody that doesn't pay for LinkedIn because it's like me. I'll use the piano and analogy again. I don't can't play piano for Toffee. We've got a piano here. My wife plays and my, my son's been learning and he's very good. But I'm not, right? So we've got a couple of hundred bucks piano sat there hand-me-down piano if we change that piano to a steinway grand it would make no difference to my ability to play right i might i might be more inclined to want to play as a result of that but it's just a more expensive piano and sales navigator is just a more expensive linkedin if i don't know how to play the blooming thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm just, I'm just spending money um, on it. Yeah. Uh, So.
0: Yeah. Well, this, this has been wonderful, Daryl. Thank you so much for your insights and for really putting LinkedIn in a different perspective, different light and helping to help us think about how to think about it. Where can people find you online and how can they continue to learn from you?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do want to say that you know, and I touched upon it. I do. I in in my fifty three years, I you know, I, I don't want to get all kind of melancholic or anything here, but I've been through bankruptcy. I was bankrupt at the age of twenty five. I, I I know what it is to to struggle. I I don't have a safety. I don't have rich parents to fall back on or anything like that. I've I've been through severe burnout and some fairly dark times with depression um i know my stuff but i'm as human as everybody else and um i just want to empathize with anyone who's scared right now because it you know it is it is tough and you know um i wish i could you know, I genuinely do, and I've got clients now who I, who I'm doing my best to help. But I, I you know, I, there's only so much I can do. You know, um, I don't have all the answers. I, I can, I can, I can counsel people how to do this stuff well, that can benefit them in the long term. But I don't have a, I, I don't have a magic wand. Um, What I do have, though, and I'm quite happy for you to share my email address with your listeners, I do have a fairly extensive handbook. It's 50 pages of notes, LinkedIn, you know, about, about profiles, about content, about digital networking, about linkedin search and how you might find people to follow and so, all this kind of information i'd be very happy to send that to anyone that gets in touch with me um if that's going to help them to to implement a, a strategy at this time so please do that you can find me very easily on linkedin you know that my name is spelt d-a-r-r-e-l And you'll find me on, uh, I've got a website stuff, but LinkedIn, you know, we're talking LinkedIn, easy to find me on LinkedIn. And like I say, I do have a, I do have a mailing list as well. And I, what I do essentially with my mailing list, I I have Daryl's Friday Digest, which is a, a once a week, a, a summary. Um, It's my, my top three posts for the week in one digest, essentially so that people don't have to rely on the algorithm to get all of my content. So that's those couple of things. If you wanted to share my email address with your listenership, I'm more than happy to, A, send the um, handbook. And you know, if they wanted to follow my content, I'll also give them the link for that. Uh, my Daryl's private digest and they can uh, follow along um, to their heart's content. Oh,
0: thank you, Daryl. That's very generous. I want to thank Daryl for his time, his generosity, and valuable insights into how environmental educators can use LinkedIn. To learn more about Daryl and to request a copy of the LinkedIn handbook, visit the show notes for this episode. In the show notes, you will also find a link to the transcript. So if you missed anything that Daryl said during our conversation, you will be able to find those comments there. Thank you for joining us today. See you next time. Terra is a podcast for and about independent educators working in natural resource fields and environmental education. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Tanya Marion.